And the, the Psalms of Asaph do that a lot. A- Asaph was, uh, he was the, the song leader in the temple. He was a, equivalent to Rob Labadee, if you will, okay? And Asaph was a pretty spiritual guy. He was appointed by King David to lead the, the uh, congregation in singing along with his brother. And uh, th- this guy, I mean, he was, he, w- he was a spiritual guy. He, he was a guy that you would look up to. But what we're going to see here in this chapter is that Asaph struggled with some of the same things we all struggle with, despite being such a great guy and, and righteous leader. Righteous example. I think these are things that, that we really need to pay attention to because if people better than us can slip and fall, then we better take heed ourselves. So we're going to read a few verses here and then dive in. I've got just three, three simple points for you. No poem, sorry, but I got three, three points. They'll be pretty quick, but they'll be straight to the point. Um, and hopefully... The, the preaching will be effective in your hearts. Hopefully it will minister to you a bit. Psalm 73, verse 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt, and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Brother Derek, do you mind praying for us this morning? Thank you. Amen. So I want to dive a little bit into kind of the, uh, I guess, definition of an impeccatory prayer. I kind of touched on it briefly already, but then I want to look in the New Testament. um, I want to look at what our approach is supposed to be as a Christian nowadays. Um, So I already mentioned a lot of the Psalms are impeccatory where where they're calling for the, the destruction and damnation of your enemies. But in the New Testament... God takes a slightly different approach. And so I want to look at just two verses. So if you don't mind turning with me, look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 to start. Matthew 5, verse 44. 5:44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, well, 
I mean, this is in Matthew, so we've got to be careful when we start taking things doctrinally. So let, let's confirm this passage uh, with another verse in Romans so that we know this does doctrinally line up with what Paul teaches as well. So go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 14. 12.14, it says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. In verse 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now, the fact is, after reading those verses, I probably lost about half of you. I mean, ju- just the, the concept of loving your enemies, it kind of it irritates the flesh, right? I mean, you, you see people in this world, you see our enemies, and, and well, quite frankly, you kind of hope for the destruction of your enemies. I mean, whether it's from like a patriotic perspective, right? I mean, we're the United States of America. We don't want our enemies to succeed. We don't want China to surpass us in GDP, you know? You want to see the destruction of your enemies. You, you want to make sure that, that you have security, right? That you can provide for your family, that you can keep those around you safe. So when, when it comes to the New Testament perspective about loving your enemies, it, it can kind of get under your skin a little bit when you, well, when you have enemies. If you, if you don't have enemies, well, maybe you're a little too lukewarm and not, you're not really fired up for Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ had enemies. But it can be difficult to, to love your enemies. It can be difficult when, when you look around at this, the people in this world and, and you see the type of life that they live and God tells us you're supposed to love them. Well, well in Psalm chapter 73, Asaph struggles with the same thing. One of, the, one of the first things that Asaph does is he, he begins to look at those around him. And, and this is one of the, the first steps that you take when, when you start becoming a short-sighted Christian, back in Psalm 73. You start to, start to lose your focus as a Christian. Psalm 73, verse 1 and 2 here. Now, Asaph started off good, okay? He, he starts talking about God and how good he is. He says, truly, God is good to Israel. Right? But then he immediately contrasts that with another statement in verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. Now, I want to give you a, a real practical, a, a just real life example uh, of slipping. Uh, two weeks ago, you know, when we got all that snow, I think it was about two weeks ago now, um, I, I made the mistake of not plowing the driveway and the sidewalk off immediately. Because when that sun comes out over you know, the next few days, that snow on the top starts melting, and, and it goes down to the bottom, but then there's no sunlight down there. It freezes on the, on the sidewalk and on the driveway. And I had a delivery coming that day, and I needed to get it plowed off so the truck could come in. And, and so I'm plowing, and of course, I remove all the snow, but now all I'm left with is just a sheet of ice. That doesn't really help me a whole lot, right? And, and so another day goes by, and, the, and the, stu- the sun is beating down, and it's starting to kind of melt certain spots, right? And uh, I always run out to my, to my shop. It's like 50 feet. It's, you know, I got stuff to do, so I just, I just run. It's quicker. Um, and 
and I, but I'm trying now. I'm seeing that there's some dry spots, and then there's some spots of ice, and so naturally I'm trying to avoid the ice. Right? I don't want to step on it and, and fall. And so I've got I've got my boots on that that I I wear uh, quite a bit. They're kind of loose, and on the side of the boots they've got like the open hooks. They're not the closed eyelets for the laces, right? They're the open hooks. And so I, I see a piece of ice there on, on the ground, a, a pretty big piece. And so I jump to the side, and then as I go to to jump past it, well, my feet were together, and that hook on my boot for the laces, I mean, I, I, it, it looked like I was doing like a Michael Jackson move or something, but, uh, but I, I hit the ground so hard, my, my thumb went through the ice, and I was bleeding all over the place. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, but, you know, it, it hurt, and it, it, I landed there, and, and I mean, the damage is done already, right? I'm on the ground. It's like there's, there's really no use in getting up quickly. So I just, I just kind of laid there and moaned for a second, you know, slowly got back up. Now, now that's a real-world example of slipping, and, it, and it's kind of silly, but let's, let's make that application to our spiritual life. This happens quite a bit. We're just trying to, trying to follow the, the straight and narrow. We're just trying to stay on that path serving the Lord. And a lot of times there can be things that get in our way that cause us to slip up and trip up. Now, now, in this case, I was trying to avoid something I knew would cause me to slip, this, this piece of ice. And in doing so, I ran into something else, and, and I tripped over my own feet. I feel like this happens a lot in our Christian life. We're just trying to serve the Lord, but, but things often get in our way, and, and things got in Asaph's way here in this chapter. And one of the things that, that we see that got in his way was envy. Look at verse number three. So he's ex- going to explain now why his feet were almost gone and why his steps had well nigh slipped. Verse three, he says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Prosperity of the wicked. There are a lot of prosperous, wicked people in this world. A lot of them. I don't know many, no, let me rephrase that. I don't know any Christian billionaires. Have you ever thought about what, man, what, what we could actually get done if we, for, for Jesus Christ if we all had a billion dollars? If I just had a billion dollars. Let's just say I woke up tomorrow, billion dollars, tax-free, billion dollars tax-free, <laughs> otherwise it'd be 500 million. Right, so a billion dollars tax-free. I, I'll promise you this. If I wake up tomorrow with a billion dollars in my bank account, this is what I'll do. For the hundred of us here, roughly, some of you might miss out on this, sorry. But for the hundred of us here, I'll give you all $10 million. That's $10 million per person for a hundred people. Imagine, imagine what we could do for the Lord. Imagine how many Bibles we could print. Imagine how many missionaries we could support. Imagine how many homeless we could take care of and feed. How many widows and orphans we could help. So, so I mean, where are, where, are the, where are the prosperous Christians in this world? Where are the Christian billionaires? Asaph certainly wasn't. Well, how do we know? Because he was envious of the prosperous wicked. He was envious of them. I mean, we look at verse 4. He was envious of their strength. It says, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. He was envious of the strength that they had. 
I mean, these, the powerful people in this world, people, they are surrounded by yes men. Anything they say goes. They just simply ask for it and it is done. The strength that they have. Verse 5 mentions how, how these people are not troubled. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. I mean, I come into church and, and, and Pastor Mike will get up here and he'll, he'll mention prayer, new prayer requests that we have. Hey, can I tell you something? There's a lot of people here that are plagued. There's a lot of things that we struggle with. There's a lot of health issues. There's a lot of sorrow that we hold. But then you, you, you look at the, the billionaires, the, the, the rich, wealthy, wicked people in this world, and it seems like they, don't, they just don't got the same issues as we do. You could say, well, yeah, we all struggle with the same stuff. And it's like, okay, I, I get that. But at the same time, man, they can fly to, they could fly to any hospital in the world and, and choose any doctor that, 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 that they need. I mean, I mean when we're, we're, we're talking about Ramona and the cancer that she's dealing with, and it's like, I, I mean, we, can anybody here actually afford to, you know, just pick her up and fly her to one of the best hospitals in the world? I mean, we're kind of stuck where we're at. We're, we're, we're stuck dealing with, with the problems that we have where we're at. And, but, but, man, the wicked, the, these prosperous people, man, they can, they can hire the best doctors at, at their whim. They're not, they're not troubled in the same way we are. They're not plagued in the same way we are. Look at, look at verse 7 here. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. More than heart could wish. Now, if you're going to be super spiritual with me this morning, you're going to say, well, you know, I'm very content. I'm happy with everything I have. You know, I love my family. I love my kids. I've got a nice house. And, okay, but, but you really have more than heart could wish. I mean, I, I had given you the example of if I woke up with a billion dollars tomorrow, I'd split it all with you. And I'm thinking about that from the perspective of because we could get a lot of stuff done for Christ. Is that not a wish of yours? Do you, do you not have a wish to, to get things done for Jesus Christ? To be, to be able to print Bibles for people that don't have them? To be able to support missionaries so that they can continue the work of God elsewhere? Do you not have that wish, Christian? I can tell you this much, as long as you live in this wicked world, you're not going to have more than heart could wish. After all, there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a spot in the north that's going to offer that. I mean, once we get to glory, then, then we're going to have more than heart could wish. But right now, not here. But the, the wicked certainly do. I mean, anything they possibly want, at their whim, they've got it. More than heart could wish. Did you, did you guys ever see that article about the yacht that, that uh, I think it was Jeff Bezos was building? I don't even remember the price of it. it was, I think it was like $400 million or something like that. You know, More than heart. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. More than heart could wish. Anything they wanted. And, and Asaph was struggling with this. I mean, he, he was looking at this and, and seeing all of these things. He was envious of the prosperity, the fact that they weren't troubled. He was envious of their strength. Guys, he was losing focus. He was becoming a, a short-sighted Christian. You know, what's interesting is that 
We're, we're, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15, but I want to preface it with, with this. The issue that, that Asaph ends up having here in verses 13 through 15 is not the fact that somebody had prosperity. It's not the fact that somebody wasn't troubled. It's not that fact that somebody had strength, okay? I mean, think about it with me. I would love for you guys to be prosperous. I want you guys to get a promotion. I want you guys to be able to buy a bigger house, to buy a nicer car. I mean, all all those awesome things. I, I think that would be great if you had that. I mean, if Ramona gets fully healed and regains her strength, I mean, I'm wishing for that. I'm, I'm hoping with that, for that. that. That wouldn't make me upset or, or, or frustrated or, or envious. So, so, so why, Asaph, why, why are you in this position where these sorts of things are making you envious? It, it, my, my point here is that it's not about the prosperity or the strength or, or the fact that they're not plagued or not troubled. It's the fact that they are wicked and have prosperity, the fact that they're wicked and have strength. And, 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 and we'll see here in verses 13 to 15, it doesn't make sense to him. He, he says in verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. So now he, he's losing focus, right? He, he's looking at the things around him, at the people around him, and now he's starting to com- compare them to himself. And he's seeing, my goodness, man, look at my hands compared to theirs. I mean, I mean I'm spotless compared to these people. I, I'm, I'm near, near righteous compared to how wicked these people are. I, I mean, you, th- you think about some of the people in this world. Take somebody like the likes of Jeffrey Epstein, which I don't even want to mention his name. I mean, the kind of pervert that he was and, and the... The depths, the depths that that kind of wickedness goes and, and spans throughout the governments, man, the, the fact that he was friends with some of the highest people in governments around the world, I, I, I then look at myself and it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm near perfect compared to them. And, and the reason he's starting to, 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 to focus on that is because He's, he's lost his focus, and, and he's looking at, at the things around him. And, and when you do that, you're going to start comparing that to, to the way you are. And, and, and you're going to end up thinking, Christian, man, what's, what's the point? I, verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. You're going to think it's, it's vanity. What, what's, what's the point of all this? What, what's the point of trying to live right and, and do right and, and be a, a good Christian when, when I'm plagued and I'm troubled and... And, and I'm not prosperous, but the wicked are. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, this seems like quite the injustice. Asaph felt this way. Verse 14 says, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. So let's add on top of this burden something else. On top of the fact that it doesn't make sense, you guys, why the the world seems to be so blessed and so prosperous. Add on top of that the fact that every single morning I get up, I get chastened of the Lord. Every single morning I wake up, the Lord says, hey, Kelly, you didn't read your Bible. Come on, you got to do that. Hey, Kelly, come on, you got to stop and pray a little bit. Talk to me. Hey, Kelly, come on, I told you to witness to that person and you're you're not doing it. All the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. I'm in a straight betwixt. 
I feel, I feel like I'm stuck because look at verse 15. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. So, so he's recognizing that the error in what he's saying or the dangers of it. But, but he's kind of thinking out loud here. He, he's saying, man, I, I see these wicked and, and compared to me, it looks like I've washed my hands in vain. But, but if, I, if I take that step to actually believe it, if I'm actually going to hold on to that perspective, if I, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He's saying, saying I mean, what kind of options do I have with where I'm at here? I mean, if I decide, because I think it's vanity, to back out now and stop serving the Lord, I'm going to offend against the generation of thy children. The, my wife who's trying to serve the Lord is going to see that, and, and that's going to be a stumbling block for her. My, my children are going to see that, and they're going to use that as an excuse to backslide on the Lord. The, the friends and family I have in church are going to see that I dropped out. I, I, had, I had friends who left here, backslid on the Lord. And that affected other people who then also left here and backslid on the Lord. He's saying, he's saying I'm, I'm kind of I'm stuck in this position. I, I can't get out now. I mean, I, I've got friends and family and, and other people watching me and, and, and looking at me. And, and they're, they're looking to me to, to lead and be an example. I should offend against the generation of thy children. And, and then in verse 16, he says, When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I mean, Christian, if you stop to think about that as well, it's going to be too painful for you. I mean, think about the damage that that could do to your children if you back out now on the Lord. If you stop serving Him, I mean, if you stop serving Him, you could be damning your own children and your own family to the, well, to the way the, the wicked lives. Now your kids are going to grow up and, and sure, they might be prosperous, they might be not plagued, they might have strength, but they'll be living just as the wicked do. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. You lose your focus, Christian, when you start looking at the wicked, when you start looking at the foolish. You start looking at all the things around you, and, and quite frankly, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense. And you lose your focus. If you're going to be a, end up being a short-sighted Christian, that's going to be because you've lost your focus. And the, the next point after that was the fact that you're going to lose your faith as well. He says, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. You've lost your faith, Christian. You just think, what's the point? I just don't get it. I, I, I don't see what, what good this is doing me. I, I don't see what good this is doing to other people when, when you look at the world and it's just... <laughs> well, things just don't turn out the way you think it's supposed to, do they? Vanity. But I, I thank God for a conscience. As we looked at in verse 14 where he said, All the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. Verse 16, he, he said, uh, when, I, when I thought on this, this alternative, right, of not serving the Lord is too painful for me. But, but I thank the Lord for, for our conscience and, and for the Holy Spirit because it wouldn't be painful for you 
if you didn't have a conscience, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit talking to you. The reason it's uncomfortable to begin with is because the Lord's trying to draw you back to himself. But no, but you're, you're, focused, on, you're focused on the world around you. We, we forget about what the, the wicked's eternal destination is going to be, Christian. And when, when we, we do that, we're going to start losing our faith. Just like Asaph did. Now, now this will happen until, until one thing happens. We, we will follow, we will, Christian, we will follow the same pattern of Asaph until this one thing happens. And it's mentioned in verse number 17 through 19. It says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? See, you've lost your focus, Christian, right? You're, you're no longer focused on eternity. Because you're no longer focused on eternity, you forget about the eternal destination that the wicked have as well. You forget that one day, all the nations are going to be standing before the Lord. Every knee shall bow, yes, but you forget that they're going to be cast into a place where where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there are terrors. So, so, so let, me re, let, let me ask this in, in a different way then. Asaph, are, are you really envious of the wicked? <laughs> With that in mind? Christian, are you really envious of this world when you keep their eternal destination in mind? See, but if, if you've lost focus, you're not thinking about that side of things. If, if you've lost focus and, and you've lost your faith, all of a sudden now you're, you're, you're becoming self-centered. You're, you're looking inward at, uh, at, at what you don't have and what you wish could, could happen. And look, look, Asaph, he not only lost his focus and lost his faith, but... But this is arguably probably the most important thing. He also lost his first love. I mean, think about this with me, Christian. Where was the Lord in your envy? Where was the Lord when you were jealous of the wicked? When you were looking around at this world and, and, and frustrated because you, didn't, you, didn't, you couldn't buy that new car you wanted even though you saved for months for it, all because a, a, a health problem came up. Where, where was the Lord in the midst of that? Where was the Lord when, when you were looking at their strength and, and seeing how, how, I mean, anything they say goes, where, where, where was the Lord in all of that? When, when you're backsliding on God, where is God? Look at, look at verse 20. Now remember, Asaph had told us that he started to understand things when he went into the sanctuary of God in verse 17. So this is, this is one of the things he's, he's remembering, he's being reminded of, he, he's starting to understand again 
In verse 20, he says, As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. We forget that the, the reason there seems to be so much injustice is the, in the world is not because God's being unjust. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Scripture says that he is long-suffering toward us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It, it feels almost like a catch-22, because it's like, it, you're frustrated, but then it, it ends up being for a good reason that the, the Lord hasn't dealt out judgment. I mean, man, if the Lord dealt out judgment every time we deserved it, <laughs> I don't think any of us would be in here right now. The Lord would have killed me a long time ago. But, but we're going to notice something here. I, I asked you, where was the Lord when you were being envious of others? When you're losing your focus, where is He? When you're losing your faith, where is He? Well, you've got to get to the point, just like Asaph, where you realize the Lord was there the whole time. Verse 23. Well, well let's look first at... Um, let's, cover, let's just go down the list here. Verse 21 and 22 first. So he says, Thus my heart was grieved... And I was pricked in my reins. So that was a a response to the previous verse about realizing that God is going to respond swiftly to the wicked. There's coming a day where where God is going to deal out that judgment. And as the the verse shows us, it's going to happen quick. As uh, it says, when when one awaketh. (laughs) I mean, you guys ever have a you guys ever wake up out of a bad dream like 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 quick? You you gasp, you now, now, a lot of times, if you have like a nightmare that's scary or something, you wake up and you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's a sigh of relief, right? But have you ever w- waked up out of a dream and, and you, were, you were angry? I mean, you were indignant with whatever it was that was going on. There's coming a day where the Lord's getting up and, it, and it's, man, His reaction to it is going to be like, like how we wake up out of a nightmare. It's going to be instant and sudden and it's going to be swift. And God's coming to deal out justice. And Asaph realized this, and, and as a result, thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. Why? Well, look at verse 22. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. All right, Asaph, you're, you're starting to get back on track here. See, see, remember, he was looking at the wicked and comparing the wicked to himself. And, and when you do that, the image of yourself begins to, to elevate above the wicked. You start to view yourself better than, than other people. But, but when you get back into the sanctuary of God, when, when you get back to the counsel of his word, and you start seeing a clear image of Jesus Christ again, all of a sudden that perspective you have of yourself starts going way down because you see how holy and righteous God really is. You realize He's not unjust, and there is coming a day where He's going to deal out that justice, and it's going to be swift. He says, I was foolish. I was as a beast before thee. See, when we start backsliding on God, when we start losing our focus, I'm talking about being a short-sighted Christian, right? When we start losing that focus and losing our faith and, and losing that first love that we had towards God, all of a sudden you, you become as a beast. You, you become no different than the wicked. After all, was the, the wicked's issue not the, the pride that they had? Was it not the fact that violence covereth them as a garment? 
You, you're envious of the wicked, but at the same time, you want their demise. You're not, you're not acting like a Christian anymore. You're starting to act like the very people you're envious of. It's almost like you chase after the things that you're looking at. Well, Asaph struggled with these things as well, and he realized that he was just a brute beast before the Lord. He was just as wicked as the wicked. Verses 23 through 25 show us the, the key issue of this whole, this whole chapter. He says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. All right, Asaph, you see, like, seem like you're on the right track again. His head's cleared up. Verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Now all of a sudden, once you start getting your eyes back on the Lord, it's kind of hard to be envying the things that the wicked has. When you start really seeing a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is, you start realizing, man, there's really nothing in this world that I want compared to Him. There has not been one thing that I've received in this world that has been better than my salvation that I received, than the fellowship and joy that I've had with Jesus Christ. You couldn't, I mean, that billion dollars I talked about, that wouldn't replace any lack of joy in my heart that I have. When you start to focus in again on the Lord Jesus Christ, every, the, the whole picture starts to, starts to make a little more sense again. Your motive must be right. And, and his motive, focus back in on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I want to mention something that I thought was kind of interesting. I, I forget how long ago it was. Time flies, so it, it might have been a while ago, but Pastor Mike, or it might have been just a couple weeks, but Pastor Mike was preaching, and, and he was talking about the, the rapture, and, and he mentioned how, uh, he, he asked a question, he, he said, I, w- I wonder how many of us are looking forward to the rapture because we're looking forward to an escape from this world, trying to get away from the wicked. When our, when our real motive and our real focus, just like in the end of the chapter, should be to see the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that was pretty convicting because, to be honest, I, I, do, think, I do think that I, I, I want the rapture to happen because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to pay bills. I mean, I mean, you know, like... Like I, I don't I don't want to I don't want pain. I, I don't want trials and tribulation. I don't I don't want any of that stuff. And 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 I was pretty convicted in that message, but but I went on to, to, to think a little more on that afterwards and and man when, when your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ becomes the priority again, right? When when you get back to that first love even the view of the rapture starts to change a little bit because 
I started thinking about it like this, okay? How, how many of us here have lost loved ones and, and friends? If you're going to show, show of hands, how many people have lost loved ones and friends? That's near everybody, if not everybody. Okay, knowing my lost family members, if the rapture were to happen today, I'm pretty certain they're going to take that mark. And as a result, their soul will be sealed for damnation. Talking about changing our, our motive, right? Asaph got his motive back on track, and I'm wondering for us, do we really have our, our motive right? Have we lost that first love of ours as well? Because when, you, when you're really focused on Jesus Christ, when you're really focused on loving Him, that starts spilling out towards other people. Just like I talked about from the very beginning of this message, loving your enemies. And although it's difficult, I, I think if we think about the rapture from the perspective that, that I know most of my lost family members are going to take the mark, well, now let me ask you, do you really want the rapture to happen today? Because my perspective changed a little bit, and I started thinking, no, you know, Lord, could, could you wait just maybe one more day, <laughs> you know? Could, could you give me just a little bit more time? And I'm not saying that's going to accomplish anything, but... At least we'd have a shot to reach them. At least we'd have a chance. After all, is that not why the, the Lord hasn't come back yet? I quoted the verse already. He's long-suffering toward usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We become real short-sighted as Christians sometimes. And I've shown you in this chapter here, and, and hopefully you saw it, but it happens, one, when you lose your focus, right? When your feet well nigh slip. You're trying to get out of the way of, of something, or, or you're not looking, you're looking up. <laughs> you're, looking, you're not looking at that, that path in front of you where the, the light of the Word of God is shining on, and, and your feet slip. But then you also lose your faith as a result of looking around at things in the world and from that, the love of your first love disappears as well, and, and you end up no better than the wicked. Well, I, I hope some of these things have been a help for you. I would encourage you to, to get your motive straight when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Asaph dealt with the same things we deal with, and he was a spiritual guy. He was the song leader in the temple. All right, let's, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. There won't be, a, it won't be an invitation this morning either.